I don't know. So I finally, finally, it's am- it's amazing. It's Monday, March sixth, two thousand seventeen. How's like morale is high. Uh, <laughs> That's Tim Restall. He used to be the general manager of the New Britain Rockcats. Yeah. So you know when you work in minor league baseball, your office is typically a ballpark. And now he's the general manager of a team that's never played a home game. And so that became a reality, and we moved into Duncan Owens Park, the Hartford Yard Goats, which is good. That's good. Everyone's getting acclimated. The phones are all working, and we had our printers installed today. So the plan was for the Rockcats to play their last game in September 2015 and move to Hartford and become the Yard Goats for the 2016 season. But here we are in March 2017, and there hasn't been a professional baseball team in Hartford in almost 65 years. It's, uh, you know, it's a, a relief to be in here. When we talked the other day, you, you were saying you guys moved into that time space. You were playing in like six months. Yeah, it was, uh, was going to be from October, I think, to March, and uh, it was just a little bit longer. That's still right, October to March, just a different March. Yeah, an extra, <laughs> an extra digit on the end. From WNPR, this is the second first season, the behind-the-scenes podcast about the making of a baseball team on a year-long do-over. I'm Jonathan McNichol. The plan is to tell the story of the Yard Goats' second season, their first season in a new city, their first season in a new ballpark, their first season as a home team. But I can't tell you that story until I tell you this story, the story of last year, the Yard Goats' first first season, their lost season on the road. And the story of the last few years, the story of building a ballpark that seemed like maybe it'd never get built, the story of moving a ball club from a Hartford suburb to a Hartford neighborhood. The story that ends with Hartford having a double-A baseball team called the Yard Goats that plays games at Dunkin' Donuts Park in the North End goes back four years. It involves two Connecticut cities, two Hartford mayors, two major league franchises, two different builders and at least four different overall plans. It was originally supposed to be a $60 million stadium project. It so far costs, depending on how you count, more than $100 million, and it's become part of a $350 million neighborhood redevelopment that may or may not ever even actually happen. It's a story that includes missed deadlines, cost overruns, blown projections, a fired developer, and something like an answer to the age-old legal question of whether three can be a majority of six. You want me here? Yes. This isn't exactly the kind of stuff I usually cover. For my day job, I'm a producer on The Colin McEnroe Show. Sorry, I just coughed in your head. Yes. No, I don't usually cover local government. I don't usually cover local business. Can you hear it if I do this? Does that bother you? For that, I need help. For that, I need Jeff Cohen. He's a reporter at WNPR. All right, let's do this. What are we talking about? Jeff's covered this whole thing for going on three years. He's written something like 113 stories about it. And I've now read them all. All right, so here's the first question I'm going to ask you, and it's totally unfair. Are you ready? Yes. So if you were going to tell this story to someone, Mm -hmm. like somebody at a party walks up to you and says, you've been covering this thing. What the hell's going on? People do say that to me at parties, I bet. Well, those are some fun parties. So you're going to tell it like in a minute. Yeah. How do you do that? I think the best way to explain the stadium is to say this is an idea that came out of nowhere and sort of feels like it ever since. It felt like from the very beginning that this was a possibly good idea sandwiched into possibly the right place in a real hurry. It felt like that from the from the get-go. And, you know, here we are. Hartford has been trying for a long time to figure out a bunch of questions. One of them is how can we revive this section of the city? Can we bring jobs to the city? Can sporting or conventions bring 
people to the city and interest to the city. And this is the latest manifestation of that. It happened really quickly. And now the question isn't whether or not it'll be a fun place to go watch a baseball game, because I'm sure it will be. I mean, it's, you know, they've got mascots and hot dogs and barbecue and stuff. But the the real thing that we got to think about as we assess whether or not the hurry was worth it is whether or not this thing is a success. And there are a whole lot of ways of figuring that out. And it's entirely unclear whether it will be. Did I do it in a minute? I think that was like almost exactly a minute. Was it really? Yep. But so Jeff's first point there is how out of nowhere this all originally was. And New Britain Mayor Aaron Stewart definitely agreed with him at the time. This is Stewart on NBC Connecticut in 2014 when the whole thing was first announced. I really couldn't see this happening without at least a phone call or a conversation from them to give me a heads up, which is why it's pretty surprising to me and and hard to believe. The idea of the Rockcats leaving New Britain after 33 seasons was hard to imagine. The idea of Hartford trying to redevelop its beleaguered North End neighborhood, which had been cut off from the downtown proper for decades by the I-84 viaduct, though, was not a new one. I actually go back to a time when there was no I-84, and I remember when all of the area that's now parking lots had buildings on it, and uh, there was a movie theater there, two movie theaters there, actually. This is current city councilman John Gale. I'm a Hartford native, so, you know, this has been terribly distressing for me to have watched as building after building came down from the late 60s right up until three years ago, leaving us with acres and acres of parking lot and no particular development proposal ever. Gala was elected to the council in 2015. There was talk, but no execution of anything. And so the concept of, you know, how... Well, the challenge is, how do you get the development across the highway? This project will reconnect a neighborhood that for almost a half a century has been an unproductive sea of parking lots yielding no harvest. That's Mayor Pedro Segarra back in 2014. And building a new ballpark and luring an old baseball team from a nearby city, it turns out, was Segarra's plot twist solution to the North End situation. But Jeff says that it was just kind of a head-scratcher and an expensive one at that. The trap you always get into these with these stadiums is that people want all of these things and they don't want to pay for them. The people who are ending up paying for it, in this case, are the taxpayers of the city of Hartford. And certain taxpayers weren't really excited about the idea. Hey, Segarra, you can't hide. We can see your greedy side. Hey, I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to see my taxes go up. We're already at the brink of starvation. Why should our taxes on our house go up? Why should our taxes on our car go up? Why? Because they want a stadium. Take us out of the ball game. Let's get out of the park. Don't feed us peanuts and Cracker Jack. Not until Hartford is back in the black. I want to kill it. This last 2014 voice, this wanting to kill it in 2014 voice, is Ken Krajewski an attorney in Hartford and one of the Dunkin' Donuts Park Project's most vocal critics. I went and talked to Krajewski in March of this year, of 2017. I wanted to see if his feelings have changed by now, with the ballpark about to finally open. I'm a huge baseball fan. I just think this is the worst idea in the whole fucking world. His feelings have not changed by now. I think I don't want to be a naysayer. Everybody says I'm a naysayer. I don't want to be a naysayer. He's a bit of a naysayer. If you build it, they're not going to come. You know, I, I, the Field of Dreams movie has is, is been tragedy for those of us who have been opposed to public campaign or public financing of sports campaigns and things like that. I just, I don't agree with it, obviously. Krajewski is against the very idea of spending public money on sports, but a lot of people are against the specific way this particular plan came to be. The process that 
got us to this point was a flawed process. It was not a process that I was in favor of. It was a process that I was critical of. This is John Gale again. I think it's terribly unfortunate that this happened in the dead of night, that it didn't happen with New Britain at the table, that it didn't happen with the state of Connecticut at the table. But the problems weren't all about financing and transparency. A lot of it was just bungled bureaucracy. Take the story of a Hartford Redevelopment Authority meeting in October of 2014. Five members of the six-person board were present, and when it came time to vote to authorize the redevelopment, three of them voted in favor. The city considered the proposal passed, but our very own Jeff Cohen... I was like, you can't do that! The city's contention was that three yeas made a majority of five votes, even if the board actually has six members. Jeff didn't agree with their way of counting. Because four is more than three. Exactly, I think, yes. And three is only half of six. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) those things. Jeff pressed the matter, and eventually the HRA took the vote again and passed the measure. That story gets to a little bit of the Keystone Cops feeling at the beginning of this whole thing. Right. I love these stories. I love process. And this was a horrible process story. And everyone agrees the process sucked on this whole thing. Yes, exactly. Even the people who did the process agreed it sucked. A booster would say, well, what the hell, Jonathan? Why are you bringing up this thing about something? Because it's funny. Well, it is funny. People agree that the process was a mess, but not everyone disagreed with the big picture version of the plan. There was the thought that maybe a minor league sports franchise could solve some problems in one of the city's poorest, emptiest neighborhoods. Fernando Betancourt runs a community organization in the North End. If you want to look at the stadium alone, I think that it also provides something that is very needed in this area. Betancourt's office is almost exactly across the street from Dunkin' Donuts Park, and he's been a supporter of this whole thing from the very beginning. One, he recognizes the long history of baseball, professional baseball of Hartford. Second, that is affordable entertainment. If you take, for example, a family of four in this area, which is probably the lowest income of all the areas in Hartford. If you bring a family of four to the movies, it takes a fortune. So these prices might be affordable for something that kids can can get entertained. There was the thought, in fact, that maybe a ballpark wasn't really enough, wasn't ambitious enough, wouldn't solve enough problems in the North End. And they came up with this idea that the city could do a a bigger plan because, keep in mind, people in the city were like, why are we doing just a baseball stadium? We're a functioning neighborhood. We want a supermarket. We want housing. We want jobs. We want a, you know, a livable space. We don't want to just be a playground for people who come in, have a few beers and some popcorn with their kids, and then leave, and then the lights turn off, and it's still, there's no great net benefit to our neighborhood. So the city put a much larger project out to bid and eventually picked Dono Hartford, an LLC created by Middletown Company Center Plan Development, as its developer. Center Plan had proposed a $350 million project to develop the Dono, downtown north, neighborhood, by building a minor league baseball stadium, a little league baseball park, some apartment houses, a supermarket, a brewery. Center Plan would pay for the development, would pay to build the stadium, in exchange for 19 surrounding parcels of land that Hartford would sell to the developer for $1 each, with the city leasing the ballpark from Center Plan. That's not even close to what eventually happened. In the end, the city borrowed the money for the stadium, Center Plan was its hired builder, and then Center Plan was supposed to develop the rest of the neighboring land. In February of 2015, less than 16 months before it was supposed to open, Center Plan broke ground on Dunkin' Donuts Park. This is then City Council President Sean Wooden. I don't remember the city breaking ground north of I-84 here on a major project 
that will have such a catalytic impact on our city. This is a historic day, breaking ground on a new professional ballpark here in downtown Hartford. And that's Josh Solomon, one of the owners of the franchise that was the New Britain Rockcats and is the Hartford Yard Goats. In terms of the stadium, he's just a long-term tenant in the first of many buildings Centerplan was going to build. What made it attractive to the developers were all the surrounding, par the rights to all of the surrounding parcels that they could then turn into mixed use and supermarkets and apartments and housing and ground level retail. But to be able to do that, they have to first build a ballpark. Yes. And it turns out they weren't very good at that. Not the best. <laughs> I commit to you that April 7th, we will be pitching the first ball at the first game. This is Mayor Sagara in September of 2015. By the time he made that commitment, the Rockcats had played their final game in New Britain, and they'd picked their new name, and they'd unveiled their new logos and mascots and hats and t-shirts as they got ready to move to a new city over the off-season. You know, we, as a city, and I'm not just me, but as a city, we all need to be more optimistic that things can actually happen. The perception was that Pedro Segarra was a really nice guy who was long on enthusiasm and short on details. And I feel for the guy in a certain sense because I see myself that way. <laughs> it's really, it's fun to get in front of a crowd and be like, we're going to do it. We're going to build a stadium. And it's all going to be great. And they're going to play baseball here like in a year. Opening day in Hartford was set for just seven months later, and Segarra was just 15 days away from losing as the incumbent in the mayoral primary. Luke Bronin was elected mayor of Hartford in November. Before he took office, there was a $10 million shortfall in the stadium project, and it was clear that the park wouldn't be completed on time. The technical term for what we have on our hands is a mess. And it was clear during Bronin's first week in office that the city would have to take on more debt to get the stadium completed at all, say nothing about on time. I am not interested in putting additional burden on the taxpayers of the city of Hartford. What we have to recognize is for the next 25 years, we've got an obligation to pay $4.5 million a year to pay off these bonds. So we need to make sure that we get this stadium up and running and that we get the development around the stadium completed as promised. What was not clear was where Hartford's New Yard Goats would play their home games come April. But it was pretty clear that it wouldn't be Hartford. And as opening day was postponed, and as the Yard Goats started playing as the home team in their opponents' parks, and as the rescheduled opening day was missed... Blame started to pile up. We said, if you give us the money and the control of the design, we will finish this building within the prescribed budget. That's Bob Landino of Dono LLC, the developer, in December 2015. So they gave us the money, but we never actually got control of the design. And that therein lies the rub. Landino was announcing that the stadium would open unfinished, but on time, which it wouldn't. This is I, Charles Matthews, two days later. And they had every opportunity in the month of June, July, August, September, November, to say, oh, wait a minute, there's a problem. They never said that. And because they never said that, we can rightly rely on the fact that this is their obligation. Matthews is chairman of the Hartford Stadium Authority. This is their burden. They signed a contract for $56 million. It's too late now. They have performed as they promised. Back to Landino. The fact is the building's absolutely beautiful. It's going to be gorgeous. And if the city finds those funds available to finish it, it will be spectacular. But it is what it is. After two missed opening days in two months, and after a missed contractually obligated substantial completion date, on June 6, 2016, the city of Hartford terminated Dono as developers of Dunkin' Donuts Park. 
On July 22nd, the Yard Goats canceled their 2016 home season. Yard Goats general manager, Tim Restall. We are extremely disappointed that uh, we won't have baseball in Hartford this season. Obviously, it's going to take a little longer than we we all hope for. Let me back up and say for the record that I don't think the developers would concede the point that they weren't very good at building the stadium. But the reality is is that they were nowhere near done. (laughs) I mean, um, there were a lot of really serious threats made, you know, like from baseball, from the league, from minor league baseball. This is Eastern League President Joe McEthern. But I'll tell you what, that pain's going to be shared. And there's a day of reckoning. And everyone was like, what? He's like your scariest gym coach, like coming in when you're like changing for gym and you're late or like guys are messing around in the gym and like hitting each other or whatever. But he wasn't messing around. Look, we cannot have a team without a home. It doesn't work. The money doesn't work. The even, fin- even though they did for a year. They did for a year and it sucked. Right. <laughs> right. When I look at the Yard Goats roster for their first first season, for their 2016 Road Goats season, one name that jumps off the screen at me is Jackson Williams. Jackson Williams was drafted in the first round of the 2007 Major League Baseball draft out of the University of Oklahoma. He's a catcher, he's played 14 games in the major leagues, and 2016 was his 10th season in professional baseball. Most of the guys on the Yard Goats last year were 23 or 24 years old. Williams was 30. I was the old man on the club, yeah. I caught up with him this year at spring training with the Pittsburgh Pirates in Bradenton, Florida, where he was a non-roster invitee. I wanted to talk to the yard goat with the most pro experience to see what it was really like to play a whole season on the road. Williams was maybe a bit more upbeat about the whole thing than you'd guess. And then, uh, you know, another good thing, you know, for probably the first year, first year of, of my career not having to pay rent, you know. So, I mean, that was, that, that was, that was definitely a pro, you know. I mean, you'd let you put a little bit more money in your pocket and um, had some, some extra meal money coming our way with all the road games, if you will. Um, but it did have its downsides, for sure. You know, we didn't have that place to leave stuff behind. I mean, when we left, everything had to come with us. You know? We had our portable clubhouse that would, that would follow us around with a U-Haul truck to where, you know, if we had anything extra, we had to stash it on there and, you know, hope, hope that it didn't get smashed. You know, I mean, as, as, as ball players, we're accustomed to living out of a suitcase and, and traveling a lot. So, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't too much of a surprise. After the Yard Goats' season of suitcases came to an end, Arch Insurance, the project's surety company, took over stadium development, and in October of last year, a new company was brought in to finish construction. Mayor Luke Bronin. Whiting Turner has experience building stadiums, unlike Center Plan. Number two, they are a, uh, a large national professional operation, and thus far our experience has, uh, has been very different than dealing with center plan. And it looks like Whiting Turner's tenure on the project has been largely incident and drama-free. The Yard Goats moved into Dunkin' Donuts Park in early March, and barring some act of God, or more likely some act of litigation, they'll play baseball there starting April 13th, and it's a good thing, too. The league would have just said, this is enough. We're done. They actually did say. We cannot risk 2017 being played on the road, and we're not going to. If the stadium is not done, baseball will not be in Hartford. That's the only weapon we have. And it made Solomon nervous. It made the city nervous. Because then we would have had a half-built baseball stadium and no development around it, and that would have just been there. And no money to pay for it. Right. Looks like they're really going to play baseball. How much of a success is, is that by itself? That's a huge success. This is Councilman John Gale. To finally get the stadium open and the first pitch thrown, I think will be a tremendous relief 
for all folks involved on the city side of it. Playing baseball games at that park will be a tremendous relief for a lot of people, and it'll hopefully be a lot of fun for a lot of people. But ultimately, baseball games aren't the end-all, be-all here, are they? When I look at the, at the stadium, I, I absolutely am looking at the opportunity for people to build across the street, down the street, behind it, in front of it, all over the place. Evidence of success will be when we see Buckley, Hartford Public, and Sports Sciences and Weaver fielding top-rate baseball teams that get to play in our stadium. I think that the success is measured by long-term success of the, of the enterprise that is opening. I think that you measure success by what was there before, which was absolutely nothing. That was Councilman Gale, local naysayer Ken Krajewski, and Fernando Betancourt from right across the street. If building the stadium was a mess, the process that started this whole thing was maybe an even bigger mess. It's a huge public project that really started behind closed doors in private. The whole thing may have cost Pedro Segarra the mayorship, and it's hard to find a projection anywhere in the planning here that looks remotely right as it plays out. I remember being at a public hearing, and one of the questions from the city councilwoman to the city's chief operating officer at the time was, How much money will these current projections cost the residents of the city of Hartford? And the answer was zero on their real estate tax. All of the revenues identified are either coming from the development themselves or by use of the various assets, meaning going to a game, parking in a facility, parking in a surface lot. There is no citywide tax associated with any of the revenues identified. And the reason was because this baseball park and this baseball park surrounding development was going to be so awesome, it was going to generate enough money that it was going to actually make roughly about $5 million a year, uh-huh, $5 million a year to pay back those bonds. John Gale. I just looked at preliminary budget numbers for our upcoming budget that we have to adopt in May, and our budget office is anticipating that we will receive revenues of about $1.5 million from the stadium for the next year. $1.5 million is a smaller number than $5 million is. But Fernando Betancourt has a common-sense take on all of this that we shouldn't ignore either. People are talking about this is like a scandal. And, and I have been in public government for a long time. And if you build a school, if you build well, almost anything that is a, a, a big uh, development, there's always, always either higher costs at the end of the, the project. And, and that is very common. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's very common. And so here we are. And after two and a half or three or maybe even four years, that stadium is built there will almost certainly be baseball. But that's really just the first step. And the sad part, the really sad part, is that this stadium only got built because when it was clear that it couldn't just be a stadium, they went back to the neighborhoods and they said, fine, we're not going to just do a stadium. We're going to do a stadium and we're going to do this $350 million development that's going to make your neighborhood better. And the sad part about it now is there's no telling when the rest of this thing will get built. And the only way to move forward is to somehow come to a resolution with the developers or, to, or a court judgment uh, that decides the f- fate of the, and the future of those properties. But, but that stuff has to happen at some point. It, it can't just sit in limbo for the rest of... That's true. I could be accused of being a party pooper. You know, Hartford's budget is the worst that I've seen it since I've been here. 
And this mayor's got a real problem. And we're cutting, as he said last year, cutting to the bone. And it's not getting any better. He's pleading to the state for help. This is an intractable problem. It's a structural problem. And uh, you know he's going to the Capitol and making his best argument. And then suddenly he's got to come up with about $5 million a year or, or, figure, or hope the stadium comes up with it, right? right? And that's just, I just pooped on the party. The question of what makes this whole project a success is one of the main things that I want to follow this season. But the truth is that the answer to whether or not it is a success will almost certainly fall outside of the scope of this podcast, will almost certainly fall outside of the time frame of this podcast. It'll take years, maybe decades, to see what happens with center plan, what happens with development around the stadium, what happens with putting a baseball team back in Hartford, what happens in the North End. Coming up this spring and summer on the second first season. How does Major League talent or how does Major League performance work? Like, what are the different ways it looks like? How can you identify it early? Yes, you were you were 20 at the time. Yeah, yeah I, was, I just turned 20. and I didn't know what I was getting into, to tell you the truth. <laughs> By far the biggest name that came through Hartford during this Major League time, right, was Candy Cummings. Arthur Candy Cummings. Pork roll deep fried in funnel cake batter. <laughs> well, that sounds nice. This episode of the second first season was edited by Katie Tolarski and Jeff Cohen. Heather Brandon is the digital editor. Katie Tolarski is the executive producer. Beth Messina is Connecticut Public Broadcasting's vice president of media strategy. Our theme song is by the great Jim Chapdelaine. And special thanks to Colin McEnroe. You can find the second first season on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on the web at wnpr.org slash second first. You can find me on Twitter at McNicholPants. The second first season is a production of WNPR. I'm Jonathan McNichol.